1: Saying like Omakase. It is episode number two twenty one, and this week I am very pleased to be joined by a first time guest. Hello, Devin.
2: Hey, John. Thank you for having uh, me.
1: Uh, you're welcome. Very loud car in the background there as you were <laughs> introducing yourself. Well,
2: we live in New York; these things happen.
1: <laughs> it's true. Everybody always like gets on me for all the background noise, and it's like, what do you want me to tell you? The ice cream man is here. I can't help it. <laughs> He's like he loves his neighborhood, but. Uh, the people who live out in, uh, I guess, the suburbs or whatever don't understand it. But What are you going to do?
2: Liam in Australia, who's just surrounded by kangaroos.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, of course, like I said, you're a first-time guest. Uh, you pretty much just, I needed a guest this week, and I know you watch this stuff, so I figured uh, you'd be a good one to bring on. I don't know if you, you're not, you don't write for any websites or anything, right? No, I don't. Yeah, you're just, uh, I mean, I know you because you DM me a lot on Discord. So if anyone wants to um, know how to get on the show, harass John. <laughs> DM me a lot on Discord. And, I'm sorry
2: about that. Should I not DM you? No,
1: no, no. I'm just saying that's how I that's how I know you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No.
2: You, I like that you asked asked me to be on without knowing my name.
1: That's true. I had no idea what your name was. <laughs> I just know you as gig me like a butcher on the on the Discord. But no, I mean I I don't mind your DMs at all, but I'm just saying if people want to know, I guess, how to how to get on the show. I think my
2: plan was originally to be on for Fantastica Mania, but then I stopped watching CMLL. So,
1: yeah. So, we're here, of course, to discuss two different shows the King of DDT Finals and the Gleet version one. I originally pitched it to you as DDT Finals and then there's Noah Corrigan, but that Corrigan like, had a really boring card, just a bunch of tags, basically. And then I forgot that Gleet was this week, and I was like, wait a second. Obviously, we have to talk about Gleet. So. I,
2: I actually saw the Quirkin card. I was like, why don't we just do Gleet? I, it felt yeah. weird because I was the guest. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. But yeah, Gleet, of course, was back on July 1st. And the KDOT Quirkin was yesterday, July 4th. The
2: only interesting thing to come out of NOAA was the N1 schedule.
1: Oh, what, what is, when does that kick off?
2: September 12th at Quirkin. then there's like three days, I think the 18th through 20th, that are studio shows. Then the 26th of Quirk, and then October 2nd at Quarkin, and then that's
1: it. Okay, so it'll be a short one this year. Yeah. And then I guess they're also... I, I guess it'll be up against the G1 again? Because it'll probably be the same time that yeah, G1? Yeah, because last
2: year G1 was late September to, like, October
1: 12th, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think it sounds like it's going to be the same thing, so... uh, But yeah, there you go. So, Devin, when I have a new guest on here, I always like to start by asking them, how did they get into... Or how did you get into uh, pro wrestling? And specifically, how did you get into Puro, since that's what we mostly discuss here? I got into wrestling,
2: I think, early fall of 98. It was like when they were doing the Mankind Rock thing that culminated at Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. And then I kind I of... Like I have
1: no idea how old you are either. Are you like my age?
2: I'm a are little you... younger than you. I was born in 88.
1: Oh, yeah, barely. Yeah, yeah. It's like two years. Yeah.
2: So I said a little. I was... Someone
1: says they're a little younger than me, I think like 90. I think, yeah, like 88 to me is like almost the same age, but
2: I'm the same age as Joel from Super J Guest.
1: Um,
2: yeah, uh, so then like I kind of gave up in 2002 after it got really dull, and then I got bored and got back into two and sort of watched WWE and ROH, and then when Jeff Jarrett brought over Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. That's when I got into New Japan and I think a year or So later, you were
1: so you were another uh Wrestle Kingdom twenty what was that, twenty fifteen, right? Twenty fifteen, yeah.
2: Wrestle Kingdom nine.
1: Yeah. So you were another Wrestle Kingdom Nine guy. But then yeah, I there, hopped right
2: a, on with New Beginning.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Wrestle Kingdom Nine people, I feel like. That's a really because of the the, the Western paper then that's a really popular one.
2: I always find it really uh, funny that Jeff Jarrett's like one of the biggest reasons for the New Japan Western expansion.
1: <laughs> it is pretty funny. <laughs> It's like everybody has Jeff Jarrett to thank, uh, but yeah, there you go. That's how Devin got started. Anything else been going on with you lately, Devin? What have you been doing? Up to
2: nothing. I work from home like everyone else does now, and it's like quiet. I had,
1: I had like a, I had like a fucking uh, a scare with that, where my boss during one of our weekly Zoom meeting on Friday was like, "Yeah, we want to start bringing people back in the office twice a week," which you know, twice a week doesn't sound that bad, but my commute is like murder. Cause you you know where I live, I think, and it's like yeah, basically, you live in the Bronx. Yeah, I mean, we we'll have to get into the exact area, but it's really I live basically in this neighborhood that's like close to the Bronx Queens border, and it's a long fucking bus ride to New York City, <laughs> or a bus to a subway, which is also really long. Uh, to I mean to Manhattan proper. Um, so I was not looking forward to doing that commute again, even twice a week, but. You know, I basically asked my boss. I was like, "Hey, does this include me? Do I have to do this?" And she's like, "Oh no, I know your commute is awful, and you you do your work every day. It's you know these these unnamed other people who uh, I think need the structure of being back in the office because we can't even tell when they're working." And I was like, "Oh, okay. I live- <laughs> so, as long as I'm not included, I don't really care." I live in like southeast Brooklyn. You live in like what southeast Brooklyn?
2: Yeah, I'm a I'm like 15 minute walk from the train.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would kill to be. i basically the closest subway to may is the six line which sucks ass anyway and it's like a 25 minute bus local bus ride is is not close
2: sorry for stepping in you i was going to ask you if you're near the d-line because i think we'd be on the opposite ends because i'm like the Mm -hmm. second to last stop in brooklyn
1: yeah nowhere near the d-line okay so like the closest thing i think the closest thing after the six is like the a the a and the b yeah. and that's still like another 15 minutes on local bus. So pretty much when I go into Manhattan, uh if I don't feel like if I don't feel like spending money on Uber, I almost always take the express bus which you know can take on a good day it can take less than an hour like 45 minutes to 50 minutes. On a bad day, which is many days, uh, especially work days, it can take like an hour and a half. So basically save no time compared to the uh local bus to subway thing, but you yeah. know yeah, it sucks, and I'm glad I don't have to do it twice a week. And, uh, you know, the, when I go to Manhattan now, I just usually I just take Uber. Because, you know, when you're only doing it, like, once a week or less, is really not that bad. Yeah. No. But, but, yeah, uh, that, was, that was my big scare. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm still apparently allowed to work from home full time, which uh, I do not. Like I said, I do not want to go. I mean, I'm really not one of these people that, like, hates being in the office. It's just, it's really just a commute for me that I will not. I just do not want to do again.
2: I just got um, used to spending all my time with my dog.
1: <laughs> I got used to spending all my time with all my like uh, my my giant TV, and now my I just got a new sound bar. It's so good, my the uh, what's it called the Sonos Arc. It's like it, it basically makes everything sound not as cl- as close to like theater sound and like you know being in the concert hall for. You know, music as you can get without like a full surround sound system. Did
2: you just buy it to fully appreciate the number girl Blu-ray? Yeah,
1: pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that was one reason. But I mean, I really just bought it because uh, somebody else in the voice wrestling Slack bought one. It was uh Chris Samsa actually, and he was like raving about it. And I had it, it was some it was in the back of my mind. I was like, you know, think I had been thinking about getting a sound bar for for a while because it's like okay. I have the the TCL six series as a TV I got back in October. It's a fantastic TV especially for the price, but the sound is shit. like this it sounds worse than my old uh, like Samsung HD TV from like 2008. So it, it like the, the, it's, it's a thing apparently with uh, with like 4k TVs now is the you know the sound is getting worse and worse. They just were putting less and less care into it I guess because so many people buy sound bars now. They just don't feel like they have to put that much effort in. Plus, these TVs are so thin, so there's not a lot of room to put the, like any kind of speakers in there that are decent. So, you know, it's, it's a well-known issue with, with modern TVs. that The speakers generally suck. So I was thinking of getting a soundbar, and he was raving about the Sonos Arc. When I looked it up, it's like, okay, it has Dolby Atmos support without needing anything else. Especially, I wanted that without needing a subwoofer, because, like, this, this soundbar by itself is already probably pushing the limits of what I can get away with in my apartment without the, the neighbors revolting. So I figured, you know, I definitely don't need a separate subwoofer. I mean, the only thing against it is it is very expensive. So I had to, like, debate if I wanted to justify paying the price. But I, I did feel, pay for it. I feel so. like
2: the saga of your television has been, like, a six-month theme on Amikaze.
1: <laughs> it may have been. But, yeah, the the soundbar really is, like, uh, you know, it just makes – If you can find Dolby Atmos music, which is really hard to find, like Apple Music only has, I I went through my entire library and I think there's like five songs on there that have the Dolby Atmos spatial audio so far. So it's really limited so far. But when you do find those songs, I mean, it sounds amazing. Like it sounds as close to you're you're in the concert hall as you can get. And like jazz especially sounds really amazing within spatial audio is what I've noticed.
2: We're going back to the 70s where like there's a new audio gimmick every three weeks.
1: Yeah, that is definitely true. But, I mean, Apple Music is also, they rolled out Lossless, too. But, like, I can't fucking tell the difference between the regular and the Lossless. It's pretty, it's pretty, and they even admit that it's kind of hard to tell the difference for most people. Uh, you know, my hearings not that good. So, I mean, I can't, I really can't tell the difference. Well, but so I, one
2: of those things, is like you need a really good audio system.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you probably do. Most speakers
2: don't even carry the frequencies that you lose.
1: yeah. But, but the spatial audio does make a big difference. I mean, I played songs back-to-back in regular and spatial. And, like, it's just – because spatial audio is much more simple where they're basically – because they have they have nine channels to work with, right, on this because it has – the whole thing with Adobe Atmos is, like, you have, like, two that fire up and then, like, sub- the standard, like, seven uh, channels from surround sound. And the spatial audio just separates all these instruments and all these – the vocal tracks – into different channels. So it, it kind of make it, it makes it feel like the music is like surrounding you or like the music has depth, you know? Yeah. So that's the best way I can explain it. It's really cool. If you can get to work, the, like I said, the limitations are a, you need a, uh, a, a, either a soundbar or a surround sound system that can do at most, which again, are almost on all, all on the expensive side right now. I'm sure the prices will come down eventually. Uh, B you need an Apple TV. You can't, you can't play, spatial audio through a soundbar surround sound without Apple TV. I mean, you can play... Uh, I think you can do spatial audio through certain headphones uh, with 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 Apple Music, but only if you want to play it through speakers and stuff like that, it's only through Apple TV, which I, I bought just for this because I'm a mark. And C, uh, you, there's only like 10 songs or something. I mean, I'm exaggerating with 10. There's a very limited library of songs so far that support it. So, so you have
2: to go in and remix the thing. For yeah, it, probably, and also I'm a Roku user, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have I now have Roku, because Roku is built in my TV. I have Apple TV, and I have the Fire Stick hooked up, so for all for different things. So I have the only thing I'm missing now, I guess, is Google TV, which I don't think I'll ever get. But <laughs> I have I have three of the major streaming things all hooked up to this TV. Uh, but yeah, the spatial so there's a lot of limitations, but once you get the spatial audio to work, it does sound fantastic. So. Uh, definitely have to recommend that but yeah that's all i've been doing lately is uh listening to spatial audio and playing my ps5 with uh this soundbar and just i watched dragon through.
2: ball last night
1: oh yeah the original or dragon ball z
2: the original with the uh, oh, subtitles
1: yeah. yeah was it was it fun
2: it was fun i watched the first three episodes
1: i've never seen the original dragon ball i've seen dragon ball z obviously.
2: it's kind of dirty for a kid's show
1: yeah, I always kind of heard that.
2: You see baby Goku's dick in the first episode.
1: <laughs> Repeatedly.
2: Like he takes was- a whiz while fishing. <laughs> and then a fish bites his tail and whilst dragging him underwater, you keep seeing like the outline of his dick.
1: Yeah. Wow, you you live in an even naz- noisier neighborhood than I do, buddy. <laughs> these cars going through.
2: Well, that's actually a fire engine. So. I see. I guess they can um, burn to death for our podcast.
1: <laughs> they can burn to death and not just run their podcast. Um but yeah, the the only anime I've watched lately is uh well season two of Hamefura kicked out kicked off on I think Friday. I don't know. I don't know if you've watched that. That's uh no, right, that's I like, haven't it. it is so good. And uh you know, the season two episode one it was kind of like uh jumping back in like, oh, here's what the characters have been up to since the end of the first season kind of thing. And, you know, there's not a lot of conflict yet or anything, but the the characters on that show are so fun to be around and so, you know, just so amusing that you really don't mind it for that episode. You're just like, yay, it's uh, Bakarina again. We're all very happy to see her.
2: I watched Jujutsu Kaisen for the first time. I've heard
1: people keep telling me to watch it. I haven't done it
2: yet. It doesn't have have an ending, so fuck it. Oh, yeah. It's one of those, I'm not a big anime person, but like where they only adapt to a certain point in the manga. Mm Mm-hmm. So well, they could
1: it, do another. They could, could get another season. Yeah,
2: yes. but I th- I, was, I wasn't sure if it was or not. So it's just like oh, you ended like a quarter of the way into the story.
1: That's there's so many shows like that. like I was just watching. Uh, the other thing I've watched recently was the the second OVA for Walter Coy, which is like another show that only adapted so much of the manga. And now it's been like two and a half years or something since they've done done the first season. No second season yet. The manga has gotten way ahead. And they've just been dropping these little OVAs, I guess, to keep people interested who don't read the manga. All right, well, they come—they actually come back in with the manga in Japan, I think. But yeah, I watched it. The second one just came out, and there's supposed to be a third one in, I think, this fall. And then maybe we'll finally get a second season next year. But that's a very like cute show. If people listening don't know what that is, it's like a uh, OneTrickOri Love is Heart for Otaku. It's a—it's one of the few anime I can think of that follows around people in their 20s, at least, instead of, like, you know, teenagers and stuff. And, you know, it's, like, all about their, uh, you know, like, their love lives and generally being uh, difficult because they're, you know, hardcore anime manga fans and stuff. It's pretty much all there in the title, I guess. But it is a very amusing show.
2: I mostly like when the Japanese animate violence and or robots.
1: Yeah. I like a lot of that stuff, too, but I've been more into... I mean, I really, I'm, I'm like, I've been watching a lot of isekai lately, and then, um, you know, I've I've grown to appreciate like, you know, slice of life, like rom com stuff too, which is, uh, you know, slower paced and not as, uh, I guess, grim dark as a lot of anime can get, but. You I know, like phrase, I,
2: I, I like the phrase "grim dark."
1: Yeah, I mean, I like grim dark stuff. Don't get me wrong, which is like. You know, I just haven't, like, I'm trying to think what's the last, what is the last, like, grimdark thing I've watched? Maybe it was Tokyo Ghoul?
2: J- Jujutsu is very grimdark. Yeah. But it has a very upbeat end theme song.
1: Well, that's cool. I a lot would, of the shows do, a lot of those shows do have... It like always amuses theory. me. It's
2: like, um, where Gundam Wing has, like, the, what just Communication as the opening theme, like, the weird techno song about falling in love in the rain.
1: Never yeah, and then the ending song is like, "Here's Relina with some animals and you know, happy, happy." And it's like, <laughs> this show is about everybody dying, or like being. Unless you're a by named war.
2: character, then somehow you survive.
1: Yeah, or or you you only get scarred by war in that case. Yeah, and like it's not, it is not like the ending makes it seem like it's fun to be Relina Peacecraft. It is not fun to be Relina Peacecraft. I mean that that woman goes through a lot in that show. Exactly. So. <laughs> it's very like it's uh it's, it's like the strange. kind
2: of ending you'd expect for a pokemon or something
1: yeah yeah it's very very strange but anyway we should probably talk about some wrestling because it's like yes. 17 minutes uh let's get to these two shows oh, first actually i gotta plug the patreon let me do that first so uh you probably noticed that you only get two free episodes a month now on the free feed uh the other two episodes for the month are patreon exclusive so if you want to go back to hearing Wrestling Omakase every week, you have to sign up for the Patreon. Uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash wrestlingomikase. It is only $5. It's the start of a month, which makes it a great time to sign up. Uh, I can tell you this, this month, uh, well, coming up next week, we'll have a new show covering the – because I know we haven't done like, New Japan in a while. So we will cover the New Japan uh, Summer Struggle – in Sapporo shows next week, so that'll be exclusive to the Patreon. And then I believe two weeks after that would pro- oh, so yeah, the other big Patreon will, will be uh, you know the Russell Grand Slam and Tokyo Dome review that will be exclusive to the Patreon as well. So you know that's how the timing works out. And then there's so, those
2: three shows that lead up to it: the two Osaka and then the Nikola.
1: Yeah, I figure we'll cover those as well. So you know we'll see what the cards are like though. We yeah, have for sure the Tokyo Dome will be out on the Patreon exclusively. Uh, so if you want to get that new Japan coverage, uh, it is exclusive to the Patreon this month, uh, also coming up on the Patreon this month, we're going to resume our Tokyo dome one match series. So if you weren't around for that last time, we were covering every Tokyo dome main event in order. Uh, you know, I go into other detail on the show in general. I talk about what else, whatever else was going on on the card. Uh, you know, whatever else was going on with the promotion. I use the, uh, the eggshells book. I always go through the chapter on that at least before uh, I do the episode. And, you know, that has has great information on each show. And then I obviously do some research on my own as well. But yeah, I mean, these are a lot of fun to do. Uh, We did them originally leading up to Wrestle Kingdom this year and then after Wrestle Kingdom. So we did uh, 1989 through 95, uh, mid-95. So that's all up right now on the Patreon for you to listen to if you sign up. And we're going to resume in in mid-95 with Keiji Muto versus Nobihiko Takata later this week from the first ever New Japan versus UWFI Tokyo Dome show uh, from, I believe, October 95. It's October, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun to do. Uh, We'll talk all about what led up to that feud and, you know, what kind of state UWFI was in and all that. Uh, But, yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. So the
2: last one you did was Bridge of Dreams?
1: Yeah, the last one I did was Bridge of Dreams, which was – Will probably end up being the worst match of the series <laughs> that Shinya Hashimoto. The semi main uh, event
2: is great. The All Japan. The six All Japan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the All Japan six is awesome, but that new Japan. The main event was uh Masio Chono versus Shinya Hashimoto, which sounds great, but
2: it's the I, worst match they ever had together.
1: Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, they went out there and basically did nothing, and I I don't even know. I mean, this is so it, it was so bad that like. I've there people have had conspiracy theories that new Japan hated Tarzan Yamamoto so much because he was the editor of a weekly pro wrestling at the time. And, you know, he was like very critical of new Japan at times. Ricky Kiyoshi's arch nemesis. Yeah. And he, and this was, and people don't know the bridge of dreams shows show was this inter promotional show uh, put on by the weekly pro wrestling magazine. So this main event was so horrible that the conspiracy theory that New Japan hated this Yamamoto guy so much that they told their guys to go out there and have a shitty main event on purpose just to screw with him, uh, it, it's plausible. I mean, <laughs> this looked like two guys, uh, you know, that were fucking not trying to have a good match at all. Now, on the other hand, it, it kind of makes them look a bit terrible given that, uh, you know, their, their their rival company went on and had like a four three-quarter star match. Uh, you know, right before that, but like, get—I you know, don't know. It was well, just he,
2: really... he was at the War Show at Corkin Hall that was going on at the same time. Yeah, he main evented.
1: So I don't. Maybe he told him to go out there and fucking suck a dick or something. But uh, <laughs> do you know the Fumi really... Saito
2: story from that show?
1: Uh, I probably do, but why don't you go ahead and tell? He
2: it? organized the whole show for Weekly Gong,
1: uh-huh.
2: and then he had to go and cover WrestleMania 11 instead of actually going to that show. <laughs>
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> so yeah, he had to go to Connecticut to um, watch Bam Bam you... Bigelow and L.T. and L. Taylor.
1: <laughs> you know why Ward didn't participate, right?
2: Kenner's, uh, you... yeah. Tenor. Well,
1: cause, yeah, Kenner because because basically all Japan paid Weekly Pro Wrestling to do this this really famously negative coverage of uh Super World of Sports, the Megane Super Promotion you know, where he referred, cause like he, he was the one who kept referring to Megane super as the black ship, uh, you know, that was sailing in off of their UWF backing. And then he deemed SWS as sellout pro wrestling and then got like intensely personal about Tenryu. Um, well, you know,
2: there is actually recovering some recovering a match with someone who was in SWS later. So I guess let's yeah. start with Gleet,
1: <laughs> but yeah, Tarzan Yamamoto, uh, You know, he revealed in his own tell-all book that he got paid five hundred thousand yen, which is about five thousand dollars, by Giant Baba uh, of, you know, obviously of all Japan at the time to, uh, you know basically trash the sws which first of all that just sounds like a very small amount of money <laughs> to do all that i'm like wow i only got 5k to I, like a lot of people from- didn't
2: like tender either so i think that might
1: be it a- <laughs> you only got 5k to destroy this man's entire promotion it's like okay uh yeah i mean fmw paid like three thousand dollars for a cover in the early <laughs> years Circulation like- was four hundred
2: thousand a week and it was only three grand to get
1: on the cover <laughs> yeah well apparently but I just saying, like, it only o- only takes like less than double what it takes to get on a cover to get a to, to trash a promotion for years and years. It's very bizarre. I wonder where he paid
2: the Japanese tabloids for the ten rupee penis enlargement rumor. <laughs> 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 uh, Around
1: but, yeah, that time, <laughs> it's uh, it, but there you go. That's that's where we left off. The of dreams main event. Okay, uh, and we're getting back to the uh. You know that that house show main event basically is what it was. I mean, that's what it was. It was like a, a, it screamed like a house show main event in a random village, uh, except like a bad one. And th- there was a main event of a Tokyo Dome show. It's very bizarre.
2: It's what you get punished uh, for living in Gifu.
1: Yeah. So we we covered that one as the last one, and now we move on to the New Japan versus UWF five feud. And like I said, that is available uh, starting this week. We also just finished our Tanahashi Naito one-match series where I covered all 10 of the Tanahashi Naito matches. That was very entertaining. Uh, Thank you.
2: I was Patreon number 50,
1: by the way. Oh, thank you. uh, you, So, did you let you, you can talk about that. It's great to have somebody else other than me talk about how great the Patreon was. What did you like about the series? I just,
2: I liked, I haven't listened to the last one yet, but generally with the one-match series, I like kind of reliving the ones I was watching actively, and I kind of like just historical context, context, even though I know a lot of it for New Japan, on the ones prior. It's like a nice 25-minute walk, the dog, listen.
1: Yeah, so there you go. So I try to keep them to like around 25, 30 minutes. Sometimes I fail and go like 45, but you know, it depends on how much historical stuff I have to go into. You tend to go more
2: excited, you tend to be more excited about Naito.
1: Really? This is a stunning stunning revelation here. I know.
2: It's almost like if you did a Tai Chi one, like they would be, all be an hour and a half long.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there you go. That was the Naito Tanahashi series just wrapped up. And I probably will post a ranking on the Patreon uh, tomorrow or Wednesday or something. So that'll be fun to do. But yeah, so the Tokyo Dome series, that's resuming on the Patreon. Uh, we Which might was do a lot a, of
2: fun so far.
1: Yeah. So we might do a new Anime series uh, episode finally. Uh, should be all sorts of stuff coming up. And my anime omakase co-host is right here trying to very very uh, quietly if she can move something back into the bathroom do you want to say hello nicole hello she, okay she's hi there. nicole uh my my co-host says hello as well okay uh so they there's Nicole. we might do a slime uh a slime anime omakase soon that's what we we're talking about so anyway uh, because I already did have my furry one, so I can't do that again until at least the second season's over. But uh, but yeah, so all that is on the Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash wrestling Omakase. It is only $5, dollars—a quite the deal, if I do say so myself. And you get all that audio content I mentioned, plus everything we've ever done, which includes... I mean, if you've never been a patron before, uh, you can sign up right now. and You can listen to, you know, if you have like a road trip or something coming up, I mean, I have... Tons of five matches episodes up on there that are exclusive to the Patreon that are basically timeless, you know, because we're all talking about old matches. Uh, I did a series on Naito versus Ishii for the one match, which were covered all those in order. I did a series on Tanahashi versus Okada, covering all those in order. Um, and for both of those, going just basically going into everything those guys were doing in New Japan during throughout the series. So, you also
2: get like all the great mid tour World Tag League. <laughs> where you're ready just to give up on life
1: because of the- <laughs> they all, you do get the one tag league reviews and every other tournament I've covered if you want to go back and see how I dealt with that. Yeah. Uh but yeah, then you also get uh the, the patron submitted matches, which are a lot of fun, and we'll probably do another round of those at some point. Uh I forget did you submit something? I, I submitted, submitted
2: the um Takashita Yoshiko match. Oh well that was a great submission. The Boneyard parody, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. That was a lot of fun to talk about. So definitely, uh, tune in for that one if you missed that one, but yeah, so it's all there. Patreon.com slash wrestling only $5 and you can sign up today. All right. So let's get into our first of the two shows here, which was the King of DDT 2021 final from July 4th, Cork and Hall, a 621 fans, super no vacancy because of COVID restrictions, of course, um. You know we usually we usually like to start at the top and work our way down. Doesn't make a lot of sense on this show though because uh, then we'd be talking about the final before the semifinals. So I think I'll just go in normal match order here. So that means we start out here with the K.O.D. eight man tag team titles: Yoshiaki Yatsu, Akito, Hiroyoshi Yamato, and Keigo Nakamura defeated Shinshiro Takagi, Yuji Onaya Chikara, and Nabe Yakan. Uh, Yatsu submitted Naya with the jail lock in 12.06. So Team Thoroughbred fails in V2, and Team Olympian have become the fifth KOD eight-man tag team champions. Um, so Takagi and Yatsu started here. Yatsu Yatsu's metal foot kicks were, like, extra devastating. That was kind of funny. And then he hit a nice belly-to-belly suplex as well before they both tagged out. I mean, if people haven't seen Yoshiaki Yatsu wrestling on one leg and the, uh, you know, the... I guess what would that be called? A prosthetic,
2: right? It's a prosthetic leg. He's yeah. also sixty fucking four.
1: Yeah, I mean he he is impressive. I mean for what he for what he is able to do here. I mean he was impressive in the battle royal uh, back at the uh, Cyber Fight Festival as well. But the rest of the match was not that impressive. I have to say uh, Yamato and Takagi they got in a sliding X war when they crossed X's. That was a little funny, I guess. Uh, Takagi came out on top with a stunner, and then Chikara came in and started throwing a lot of chops. Anya and that's unfortunate because he has maybe the worst chops in all of wrestling. Um, Chikar is a guy he really straddles the line between funny bad and so bad it's not funny more than any other wrestler I've ever seen. Where I, there are some matches where I find him to be hilarious and I'm enjoying him, and he's you know he's trying his hardest and this is the best he can do and it's fine. But he's you know, he's he's funny bad or you just kind of want to root for him. Oh, he's shit. Okay, and there's other matches where he's just absolute fucking horrible, horrible shit, and that was his match. I mean, pretty much every moment he was in this match, uh, he he made this match much, much worse. So, you know, and he was in this match way too much, honestly, for an eight-man tag. So, we have new champions. Uh, I just didn't think this was very good, though. Pretty dull and actively bad when Jakar was in there. Uh, I went, like, two and a quarter, which might even be generous on
2: I went two and a half just because I was so amused by Yatsu.
1: That's fair. Any other yeah. thoughts on this one?
2: Uh, not really. Do you know the Yatsu's first televised match was in Madison Square Garden?
1: Uh, I did not know that.
2: Any it guys? was, like, Enoki thought he was going to be the super rookie. I guess he was, like, the first one. Oh, so I he see. sent him to WWF, and his, like, fourth match ever was beating someone at the Garden.
1: Uh, <laughs> and it aired on
2: TV, Asai. Asai. And then, you know, the rest of the story, he got disqualified from the Olympics, famously. Mm-hmm. His pro wrestling is a sport, including according to the International Olympic Committee.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so that's a, that is something. Uh, but yeah, so there, there is your opener. But that, after that, the show does pick up quite a bit, thankfully. So, match number two here was the King of D.E.T. 2021 semifinal. Uh, Konosuke Takashida defeats Daisuke Sasaki with the modified chicken wing face lock in 1658 i do want to mention uh as always thank you to dramatic ddt for the results uh jamie does great work and you can find them at dramatic uh Suzaki, of course he keeps trying to revert to his low blow illegal tactics that he's that got him through the first two rounds uh usually i mean very quickly in both cases but he can't quite get to work on takashita uh Polly then pulls the ref out of the ring and beats him up.
2: Hold on, Takashita was bragging. Oh uh, yeah, about his iron balls.
1: I think he said the iron deck or strongest deck or something. The
2: iron deck. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, DDT Pro English.
1: But yeah, so then we had, yeah, so so Paulie pulls the ref out of the ring and beats him up with most of the Sonic Club or beats up most of Sonic Club on the outside, but then Sasaki accidentally low-blows Polly while Polly's holding Takeshita for him. Uh, Takeshita dobs. Uh, Takeshita then hits a perfect topei on hilo on both of them on the outside. Uh, Matsui ends up getting bumped by a charge in Takeshita in the corner, but then Takeshita blocks another low-blow attempt by Sasaki and locks on his signature face lock, but there is no ref to see Sasaki uh, tapping out. So I like the idea of doing a visual fall when you're going to have him with win anyway, because it does... Kind of feel like he got swerved, you know. Like I was like, oh, "Sasaki's gonna win again," I guess. Um, yeah, I kind of
2: thought that too. How do you? What do you feel about the chicken wing face lock?
1: It's all right. It's not. It's not a It's not a submission I dislike, but it's not a submission I like either. Just kind it's, of there.
2: So it's not the money clip.
1: It's not the money clip, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's not. It's it's really just there for me. It's there, yeah. Uh, a, a little bit later, Sasaki tries a suicide dive up to the floor on Takashina, but Taki catches him in midair perfectly and then drops him right on his head on the outside with a brain buster. That was such a sick spot. And the strength to to fucking catch this guy in midair, never drop him, lift him, lift him straight up into that brain buster, and just drop him on his head on the floor. That was just so sick.
2: I feel like they do it in every match and every time. I'm
1: like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a really impressive spot. Uh, There is a complicated reversal sequence that sees Takashida eventually drop Sasaki right on his head after he had been trying a Rana, and then he locks back on his submission hold, and Sasaki quickly submits to send Takashita on his way to the finals. I thought this was a damn good ending to the uh, Daisuke Sasaki trying to cheat his way through King of DT story. Takashita was just able to overcome it and pick up the win. Uh, very simple story, but definitely works. I went three and three quarters. Really fun match here.
2: I gave it the same rating. I did like the end when he hit the was it boostie called the bastard driver.
1: Yeah, I think it's the bastard driver. But he
2: kept the um, the waist lock up and just sort of hurt him up and then put on the cobra clutch. I kind of like yeah. that as a yeah,
1: bridge. it looked really cool. So, uh, so then we get to the other semifinal, which was Katsada Higuchi versus Yuji Hino. Yuji Hino beat him with the fucking bomb and twelve thirty six. I took much less notes on this one. I was just kind of just sitting there enjoying it because, like, you can really close your eyes and picture this match. It's the big boy battle. Uh, you have lots of power moves. You have lots, lots of brain of, claws. Lots of brain claws. Lots of really hard slaps and chops to each other's chest. Uh, both their chests were bruised really bad only partway through this match, uh, especially Higuchi's, honestly. Did you see um, that picture was- of
2: Higuchi after the match that's going around?
1: No, I didn't see it.
2: Oh, it's, in, it, in you could pin see pin like pin. the fingerprints ripped. Like, yeah, it's gross.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so then we, you know, so basically, Hino at one point absolutely takes Higuchi's head off with a pair of lariats, and then after pretty much right after that, hits the fucking bomb with the pen. So this wasn't long or anything. Like I said, only twelve and a half minutes, but I thought it was awesome. Exactly the big boy battle you would want and hope for. Uh, this was my match of the night. I went four stars flat on it. So. <laughs>
2: I gave it the same rating. It was also my match of the night. I really love the brain, the dueling brain claw spot. Yeah. Where they both yeah. have the claw and they're chopping the shit out of each other. I just yeah, like dumb awesome. New Japan Never style matches.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is anyone who likes that kind of style, this will be right up your alley. I mean, they are going to be... I mean, that's, that's exactly what I like too. Like two dudes beating the piss out of each other. So yeah. that's what this match was. Uh, match number four was a four-way tag team match. Yu-Gi-Oh! Sakaguchi and Saki Akai defeat Chris Brooks and Antonio Honda, Don Shoko Dino and Yuki Ino, and Yusuke Okada and Yuya Kuroku when Sakaguchi pins Kuroku with the Don driver in nine twenty four. Yeah, Sakaguchi pinned him with the Don driver. So, after last time, when we had the drinks that were left out that turned people into Paulies, this time we saw some more special drinks left out in the open. Uh, Sakaguchi and Saki Akai take them. Vitamin D vitamin D and we see they they just have a big D on them and we see it's Dino and Eno watching around the corner. Uh Dino Dino and Eno they drink two more of the D bottles as they come out. Eno has matching types of Dito and they have more of the bottles with them. But then Saki and Kai comes out and we find out she's been brainwashed by the Dino Well drink.
2: Saki well Sakaguchi convinces her to take yeah. them it's like might be date rape. I don't know <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was pretty funny. So she comes out she comes out in Dino's tights. The music had quickly changed to Dino's, and they they're telling this weird story where she's like trying to fight off the influence of Dino. Like she nearly goes out in the crowd to get her hands on some random men, but she also looks horrified with herself and she's trying to fight off the influence. So we have to discuss the lore here. First of all, why did the Don drink not make her gay? Why did she not want women?
2: Well, you see, because it's I think it's just that it makes you attracted to men. I see. That's why Dino takes it. Like, maybe, I don't know. Saki-sama has a lesbian version of it, I don't
1: Secondly, uh, how the fuck these dudes in the audience managed to uh, act like they were horrified by Saki Akai kind of trying to kiss them and didn't want to be kissed. I mean, they should win an Academy Award, honestly. I actually... I mean, t-
2: I typed the sentence I never thought I'd type in my life. Saki Akai fights her cursed, horny hand.
1: (laughs) Like, these people, these people in the crowd were like, no, please miss. I'm like, what? I'm like, how are you even doing this? I'm like, they're trying to play along with it because they're supposed to act horrified when Dino wants to kiss them, but like, this is an actual model who's acting like she wants to like uh, jump over the fucking thing and get at you. And these men are managing to actually pretend that they don't want this. Maybe so, they're just
2: very afraid of COVID.
1: And it could be, but I honestly, I mean, they they had like smiles on their faces while they're also trying to be like, no, no, please. So I think they were just going along with it because they thought that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, and they enough. should win an Academy Award, honestly. I, mean, they, I think they the masks be. helped, though. The masks helped, <laughs> <job>. <laughs> They did a great job uh, acting like they did not want. Uh, this incredibly beautiful woman to kiss them. Um, but yeah, so she's in the Dino corner. She tries to kiss Honda to start. Uh, and the, the Danshoku Akai saga, the Danshoku Akai adventure really goes off from there. She almost goes for Kuroku's penis. She like reaches over, but she pulls her hand back at the last second. Uh, and then she just kicks him in the chest repeatedly instead, which, uh, you know, he probably would have liked the first thing better. Uh, she almost does the Donjoku nightmare, but she gets but uh, she gets stopped by Brooks and Honda. And Honda, again, thank you to DT English Update, uh, DT yeah, Pro underscore ENG. Uh, Honda says something like, "There are limits," <laughs> something like, which I love, Honda is funny. I
2: like yeah. that the first two thirds of the match, Brooks and Honda were just trying to stop like anything in like, the baby <laughs> faces, and then They're they just like, kind of give up at the end of it.
1: Yeah, they're like, okay, look, Doncho you Eno know, doing it is one thing, but we cannot have Saki Akai uh sexually assaulting anybody. Um Eno goes for the nightmare on Okada, uh, but he also gets cut, cut off by Brooks and Honda, so I guess they were being equal opportunity, uh, sexual assault stoppers. And then Saki is left alone with Honda. Uh she she like she grabs the top rope and starts shaking it like she's the ultimate warrior. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that too. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was, like, fucking crying at that point. And she goes crazy, uh, and she's about to do the nightmare on him. This is where Hans he says then, there's
2: a limit to what we can do. Oh, yeah. that's
1: where he says it, yeah. yeah. And he gets out from under the ring and does the Gone the Fox routine. He does the
2: Gone the Fox in Russian part of it.
1: Oh, yeah, that's there you go. Because he
2: keeps going, harsh show, harsh show, and a couple other words, <laughs> I reckon.
1: Uh, we get double asses with Dito and Eno, each exposing their butts in opposite corners. Honda and Yuya keep almost sending each other to Dino's backside before he finally does send Dino, uh, or he finally does send, uh, I don't know who in. Uh, I don't I wrote that wrong, so it doesn't matter. But was, I Yuki, think Kuroko. Yeah, I think Kuroko finally goes in. I said I said Dino yeah. in, which Dino did not get sent to his own butt. Uh, Yukio then comes in the ring, reveals that he has Dino's trunks on, on underneath as well. He gives Kuroko a big kiss because he's also succumbed to the D drink. And then he gives, he sends him into Dino's ass. It's a Don Shoku driver on him for the pin. Uh, you know, again, the people who can't handle Don Shoku Dino, I get it. But if you can, this was extremely funny. It was one of the best DT comedy matches I can recall in quite a while. Uh, Saki Kai was so excited at the end when she got back in the ring, and I, I for one, greatly enjoyed the Don Shoku Akai adventure. I don't know. Did you like this?
2: I liked it a lot. I thought it was funny. Although yeah. Yukio, like, ready to, getting ready to sexually assault someone is terrifying.
1: Uh, <laughs> it is like, a little less charming than when Dancho Godino does it. It's like, this is not a man you want to meet in the alley. Because he's uh, scary
2: looking even if you don't yeah. know his background. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, it is pretty horrifying. Uh, between matches four and five. What did it, you give it? You oh, I used it on Star the comedy matches. Yeah, neither so, do I. Yeah. yeah. But this is really funny. That's 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 what I give it. Really, really funny.
2: If you enjoy the humor, you should watch it. If you hate Dino humor, just fast forward.
1: Yeah, I mean there's there's it's, it's I mean I mean I think the Dino people who really hate him know that by now. So, you know, it's probably not even worth mentioning. But yeah, yeah I mean you know if you hate Dino, you hate Dino. I'm not gonna argue with you. So we just got finished talking about Don Shukur Dino Uh you know what I think Don Shukur Dino would tell you? I think more than anybody Dino would tell you. That's very important to keep your best, your uh, men's below-the-waist grooming uh, in order. So that's why I want to mention right now that support for Wrestling omakase this week is brought to you by Manscaped. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over the technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over- Two million men worldwide. Two million—it's a lot of men. Uh, we have an exclusive offer only for my listeners: twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Omakase at Manscape.com. So again, that's—you uh, can get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Omakase at Manscape.com. Your balls will thank you. That's twenty percent off, free shipping. Manscape.com. Use code Omakase unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Uh, in between matches 4 and 5 we got the announcement of the D.O. The first night will be November 3rd at Odaward Gym uh, and they're calling it D.O. 2021 Part 2 because remember they always call the the they call it, it happens in
2: December and then they yeah. name it for the year they get the yeah. shot in January. Yeah.
1: But now they changed it so I guess going forward they're going to be named the year they took place in? I don't know. But yeah, it's so a DO 2021-2, which is kind of funny. Uh, match number five is Damnation uh, losing to Disaster Box. So Hiroshima, Torawashi, Naomi Yoshimura, and Kazuki Hirata defeat Tetsuya Endo, Soma Takao, Mad Polly, and Nobuhiro Shimatani. Hirata pins Shimatani with the Miracle One-Shot Cradle in 1151 uh, Hirata tried to attack them all before the bell but they all just completely ignore him while they're all posing just completely, it's not even no-selling just acting like he's not even there which is really funny while he's like trying to attack them but he gets the last laugh because he pinched him a time at that cradle uh, I thought this was fine, some decent stuff Yoshimura and Polly having another big boy battle uh, and then probably the highlight was a half-dead Hirata trying to dance after Warball falling down that was funny but I would go three stars on this. It was fine.
2: It was, yeah, it was gentleman's three.
1: Yeah.
2: No more has to change his hair color, though, because Julia just switched over to the orange motif. That's true. And he can't pull it off half as well.
1: Uh, between matches five and six, we get a match announcement for Peter Pan on August 21st in Kawasaki, a special hardcore tag team match, Mal and Shuma Katsumata versus Chris Brooks and special guest June Kasai. That should be awesome. Shuma's
2: gonna get blown up, isn't he?
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah, so that is in Kawasaki again, outdoors. Uh, match number six here, the semi main event of the show. Uh, the uh, the Sa- Sana Kamina team of Yuki Areno, Shuma Katsumata, and Mao defeated the Jun Retsu team of Jun Akiyama, Makoto Oishi, and Hideki. Obitani. I'm still disappointed
2: they're not Jun Gun. <laughs>
1: would that would be a great name? Uh, Mao Pinto Catani with the Cannonball 450 and 11:05. Uh, you know this was your pretty typical DT6 man. Pretty good. Not that much stood out for me, except for maybe some uh, you know, particularly fast exchanges down the stretch that were pretty fun. So I went three and a quarter. You know, yeah, nothing I, you got to, you're going to go out of your way to see here. But it was it was pretty good.
2: Yeah, I went three and a quarter too. But
0: in the hobby 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: I did like Shunma, like just being a little baby. The I, grunt, the I think match. every
1: every match we've had the same rating. We did not. We did not tell each other our ratings beforehand.
2: No, no, we were we were off by a quarter star on the first one.
1: Oh, okay, there you go.
2: Uh, and um, like at one point, he starts screaming help because Okada, who's goons second, keeps telling him he's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he to the referee.
1: <laughs> That was pretty funny. Uh, the main event, the King of D.E.T. E. 2021 final. Konosuke Takashita defeats Yuji Hino with the cross-arm German suplex in 1809. Uh, so Hino beats the piss out of Takashida early uh, with chops and etc. He eventually gets a headlock that Takashita can't get out of. Not the most thrilling action, to be sure. Uh, the Randy t- Orton special. <laughs> they tease that Take is going out. But Hino just kind of weirdly lets him out of it just before the five minute call. Uh, Take gets his first bit of offense in a while when he puts Hino down with a counter leg lariat. Uh, what the hell? I don't know what the hell that was. Uh, he ends up jumping jumping right into Hino's arms, though. It was kind Darryl.
2: of a hokey. I'm sorry? It was Daryl. What was Daryl? The bell sound. I don't know.
1: Oh, <laughs> But yeah, he ends up jumping right into his arms, which in kind of a hokey way. It's one of those moves where it's like, what were you even going for other than jump into Hino's arms to get caught in belly-to-belly suplexed? You know, yeah, which I never that liked would...
2: that. It's very, it was very obviously countered. Like, it wasn't even like a crossbody that got turned into a fallaway slam or something.
1: Yeah, so Hino puts him right back down at that point. Uh, Takeshita fights back with a superplex. Hino gets his foot on the bottom roped, which is... Weird considering he's taking almost no offense at this point. Uh, we get the obligatory elbow exchange, which is pretty decent. They hit each other pretty hard, at least. And then Take rocks Hino with one just before the 10-minute call. Keeps pounding him afterward with Hino holding his hands behind his back. I guess to show how tough he is. Uh, they do botch a spot right after that, where Takajita is supposed to sort of sunset flip over Hino and then kick him. But he leaps too far over so they have to awkwardly repeat the sunset flip setup in a way that looks super fucking fake. Uh, thankfully, everything after this is awesome, though. So Hino comes back with a nice exploder, uh, you know, which I guess is fitting when the prize is a title match with gamma. and that gets a two count. He goes up top and hits the fucking body press, but Takashita kicks out again. Is it
2: actually called the fucking body press?
1: It definitely is, yeah. That's fucking The fucking, awesome. bo- the fucking body press. Yeah. <laughs> Hino goes for the fucking bomb a little later, but Takashita rounds his way out of it and hits a big, running knee just before the 15-minute mark, followed by a second one for a close nearfall. Uh, Take then hits a German suplex hole for another very close nearfall. Hino hits the fucking bomb, but doesn't cover, just leaves Takeshita there looking like he's out of it. I figured that would be his downfall, and it was. He signals a lariat, but Takashita fights him off with his own lariats, including a huge running lariat that just kills him, but Hino kicks out at one, and then Takeshita ducks another lariat attempt from the enraged Hino, but Hino powers his way free of another German attempt from Takeshita. But Take ducks another lariat attempt, traps his arm with the to the captured German, and that is the pen. So well, I thought this picked up a ton. After well, you missed
2: rough he also. He caught the first lariat, and then Hino's trying to like smash his back with other uh, lariats. That's and then true. he ducks one of those, yeah. Which so I thought yeah. was just a really cool way of countering that.
1: Yeah, this really picked up a lot after the rough start. I can't quite go four stars, given how bleh it was early in that major bot spot. So I went three and three quarters again here. Uh, it's not surprising me Takashita won, and that sets up him and Akiyama again, with Take likely finally getting his win back on August 21st at Peter Pan and Kawasaki.
2: I really like the match, but I think it was kind of obvious they're going to do Takashita versus Akiyama. Because, you know, who else are they going to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And no, I saw some I, people
1: upset about it. I'm like, well, well, who else is there? I would, have
2: liked, I, I would have liked Higuchi.
1: They did him already, though.
2: You could have him like make a comeback and make him a new race because he's the beefiest I boy.
1: I don't know. I mean, I Hino's I just, there, but I never thought they were going to do Higuchi. No, I, I, I didn't. Maybe either. outside chance: Sasaki or uh,
2: Endo, maybe, but... or
1: or well, from, from the final four. I mean, maybe Sasaki oh, yeah, or Hino, yeah. but I figured it was Takashi. I
2: figured it wasn't going to be Hino. I thought, yeah, Takashita was kind of like. Whatever is a good match. I went three and three quarters to everyone else in cage match. Thought it was the match of the night, but they were wrong because they're mutants.
1: Yeah. There you go. It's, it does seem to have the highest rating on grapple so far too, but it's like a sample size of five people. So
2: no, cage match is like 24, I think.
1: It, well, yeah, I'm talking about grapple. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That is your DDT, can DDT final review. Uh, you know, good show. Nothing that's going to blow your mind, but uh, all three of the King and DDT matches are well worth watching. And the four-way tag is worth watching if you're into the DHE comedy. Uh, the rest of the card, very skippable. But those four matches, I think, are, you know, very worth watching. It was uh, nice to
2: see Yatsu win.
1: Yeah. But there you go. That's your uh, Those are your King of DHE matches. Uh, and we'll have to see what happens in Kawasaki. That is on August 21st. So uh, that'll be fun. I
2: hope they get Onita for that, too.
1: What did, what did Saki Akai tweet that somebody retweeted? I want to see this. Uh, oh, people People like are drawing her as Don Sugar <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's yeah.
2: horrifying because, well, look at Saki Akai and look at Don Sugar Dino. Yeah. But.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nah, yeah. What is he. Tra- oh, because of a mysterious drink, weird family has been created. And then some photo of her with Eno, Yu Gi Oh, and Dino. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. a. A mysterious drink indeed. Okay, so the second show we're here to talk about is the Gleet Version 1, which is their official first show, even though they've had other shows before that. They've
2: had like eight shows. <laughs>
1: yeah, I haven't watched any of those pre-first shows. You you know, I, I haven't know. seen
2: anything from Gleet
1: either. Yeah, so this is my first exposure to them. And this was... Uh, so this was at Tokyo Dome City Hall, July 1st, 2021. Now... Uh, if you don't know anything about Gleat, I will try my best to explain this. They are the new company formed by Ledette, who's the company that used to own for Wrestling Noah before they sold it to Cyber Agent. Uh, they're obviously there's a lot of crossover with Wrestle One, you know, Kasagashi Led- is involved. That's that? a
2: live event promotion company for people wondering. They do concerts yeah. and they do production for, like, I guess, fights too.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh so they have like a lot of wrestle one connections here with the strong hearts guys are signed. Uh, Kasayashi is, you know, big part of this. Um, Takanori Ito, I think. Takenori strong... Ito, Minoru Tanaka. Somo Watanabe,
2: who was the former yeah. Picasso Illuminar.
1: So a lot of guys here with wrestle one ties and, you know, they don't have a big roster really. So like, there's a lot of guys who are a lot of outsiders being used, which we'll get into. Um, And they're doing basically a format where they're doing both what they call G Pro Wrestling, which is traditional pro wrestling rules, and uh, Ledet UWF, which are a variation on the traditional UWF rules, which are, you know, if you don't know anything about UWF, that's the, you know, very shoot fighting-esque company from the mid it started in the mid-80s, and there were a million offshoots, which would Take so long to explain, it would take up basically mid
2: 80s, died for a couple of years, late 80s, died after a couple of years. UWFI job to New Japan,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the really, really, really cliff notes. But like, you know, <laughs> UWF, when the, when the second UWF split, you get pancreas. I mean, you basically get pancreas out of that because one of the companies that came out of that split was Fujiwara Gumi, and then uh, Masakatsu Funaki and Minoru Suzuki and Ken Shamrock form- and Ken Shamrock leave to form pancreas. So, you get like an actual shoot fighting organization out of that. And then, what, what the hell? Was, oh, and then Rings was the other one.
2: And Rings became, became a shoot fighting and Rings organization. Rings
1: became a shoot fighting organization. Yeah. So, basically, the second you have UWF splits three ways, you, and you, two of them become actual MMA companies, and then only UWFI is kind of safe. Well, so, F- becomes wait, Kingdom? Well, yes. UWFI becomes Kingdom, and then Kingdom becomes Pride. So, really, all three of them eventually become uh, shoot fighting organizations. But, yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's been kind of a dead style for a while. But companies always try to, you know, there are a lot of companies that try to revive it. And, you know, we'll, we'll go into that when we get to it because this show is split up in two halves. Yes. So, like, the first four matches are all traditional pro wrestling and the last four matches are UWF rules. So, we'll talk about their UWF rules and how they differ from the traditional ones in a second. So, uh, this show opens up with the, like, a big pre-show segment. Of first, oh, by the way, this show was on YouTube. It's no longer on YouTube. It's coming because, back uh, in a couple of days. though. Yeah, it's coming back in like a week, I think. July 15th. But, uh, yeah, July. F- yeah, that's, yeah, like 10 days. So, you know, these, glee puts up a lot of these shows on on their official YouTube for free. Um so that's great obviously. If you want to know how to watch them, they they took them down for 10 they took this one down for 10 days because it's about to air on Samurai TV in Japan. So I guess that's part of the the deal with Samurai is they uh, can't have it on free TV during a certain time span. But, yeah, so if you want to watch Glee, check their YouTube. It's on. It's in, like, other places, too, right now. Like, what, Billy Billy has it, you said, right?
2: Billy Billy, Yuku, and VK all have it.
1: Yeah, so, like, the, if you know where to look for, like, uh, illegal Japanese wrestling streams, they're all up there. Uh, this is all up on all those. But uh, if you just, if you don't want to deal with that, you can wait 10 days and watch it on YouTube. So.
2: I watched it illegally. Okay, it I,
1: I, I watched it on the official YouTube. Well, so, because it's great to stream it through my TV, so
2: yeah' the, the YouTube app on Roku kind of sucks so.
1: uh, I use it all the time I have no problem with it I don't know. uh it doesn't anyway so um so this show opens up with a pre show segment with everyone and every match being introduced and coming out to like do a little pose. I thought that's a very cool way to differentiate differentiate themselves from other companies, which has to be a goal here right like you okay, like everybody's been talking I guess a lot about whether this promotion has any. Long-term future, and I totally get why people say no because it's first of all it's backed by Laget, who obviously have not exactly had a sterling track record with Noah. They had to sell it, you know, didn't have the funds. They only on. had it for a year, right? I think they only had it for a year. Yeah, yeah, because they got it to uh, be. It's taken. It's run by Kazuyoshi. He used to run Russell One, which <laughs> didn't didn't succeed either. Um Although it's not like that died in like two years. Like people act like Russell One was around for a second. It's around for like nine years or something. I think.
2: I think right, Wrestle One, no, years, years, twenty thirteen to twenty twenty.
1: All right, seven years. It's still a pretty long time.
2: And the first three um, years, Muda was actually running it, so I play Moodle yeah. as much as anyone.
1: Um. So I, but yeah, I get all this. Like it's it's a bunch of people who you know aren't known for long term promotions. So I, I get that, but if they're gonna survive, like what the goal has to be, we have to present a promotion that is different from what everybody else is doing. We can't just be another. Uh, medium-sized indie putting on wrestling. Like you can't just be another All Japan. Can't be another Big Japan. You have to. I mean, Big Japan different itself, different too. With the different
2: matches. Really can't be another Wrestle One.
1: Really can't be another Wrestle One. So what they're trying to do is they they have a very different presentation. It is very sports-like, and you know they they have this half UWF thing to really try to stand out. And they're doing women's matches too, which is also. I mean, Wrestle One did that, but now you got women's matches with the UWF rules too, which I thought was really cool and you know they're just they're doing a lot of stuff that hopefully will help them stand out and look and look different from other promotions i mean watching this show i guess spoiling my thoughts on it it definitely made me want to watch more gleet so that's a great thing too other thing we should mention too is the fucking name so (laughs) i'm saying saying gleet they say great if you listen to the show it's because l and r is the same thing in japanese uh it really just—it's ha- it's not actually,
2: racist though. They're doing it on purpose, but I still feel that, weird doing it. I, I still so- feel
1: weird. I feel weird saying great, but, but yeah, they're doing it on purpose because like they're replacing the the R of the L uh, for LeDette. That's for. I awesome also get great
2: for. joy from saying the word Gleet.
1: Yeah, Gleet is always just more fun to say. But yes, yeah, so if you watch the show and you're like, they say great constantly. I'm like, yes, they do. That's what they're saying. But you know, it's spelled like Gleet. It's the so, most fun uh, thing to say in wrestling. It's, it's, it's a Master fun- Watto. <laughs> It is just a fun thing to say out loud. So I'm going to continue saying Gleet. 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 Uh, so the opener here, So remember the first half of the show is uh, yeah. pro, all the pro wrestling stuff.
2: Gleet pro wrestling, yeah.
1: Yeah. So the opener was the from from Stronghearts and obviously now signed with Gleet. Because most of the Stronghearts guys are signed with Gleet. There is one Stronghearts wrestler on this show that is not, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, but, yes, the opener here, L. Demand defeating Hayato Tamura and A-27. So, Hayato Tamura, he's a just-tap-out guy. He actually started all the way back in 2015 with Hard Hit when he did one match for them. Uh, but then he did not wrestle again until he started with Taka in 2019, according to Cage Match. And then he
2: was zero one one champion less than a year later.
1: Then he was zero one one champion less than he, a year He's not still, is he?
2: No, no, he lost it to Tanaka.
1: Okay. So, yeah, he's been wrestling a lot for 0-1 this year, which I guess makes sense since he was champion. Uh, you know, 21 matches total in 0-1. And Linda Man, of course, is from Strong Hearts mm-hmm. and signed.
2: And uh, the 0-1 with... junior heavyweight champion.
1: Oh, yeah, there you go. I, see, I don't want 0-1 at all, so I'm glad you Neither do it.
2: I, but those are the two belts he's <laughs> carrying to the ring because it's a two belt think, title. Yeah,
1: I totally forgot about that. But, yeah, so Linda Mann, uh, of course, from Strong Hearts, and signed with uh, the company. Tamura's not signed with the company, so he's still freelance. Uh, Tamura, like most everyone else on earth, a lot bigger than Lindemann, and it really stands out when they go face to face at the start. Uh, Lindemann does these like really quick set of backdrop suplexes, uh, followed by a snap German after ducking a Tamura lariat that looked really cool. He tries that judo throw that he does right after that. After a brief struggle, he does finally get him over, which always looks impressive because of the size difference. Uh, but Tamura does kick out. Finally, Lindemann finishes him off with another German for the win. Really fun opener here. I would go three and a half stars. All action.
2: I went three and a quarter. I really. This is only Hayato's like fifty-second match. Wow, that's really. He got really good really quick. Yeah. And now, and Lindemann, of course, is like adorably short. Do you watch? Have you ever seen Adventure Time?
1: Uh. Like a few episodes.
2: Oh, there's a one where he's having a flat, where Finn is having a flashback, and he starts singing a song. It's like I'm a buff baby, I can dance like a man. And whenever <laughs> I see Ellen and I just hear in my head, I'm a buff baby.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, match number two: Kyoko Inoue defeats Michioko Miyagi in six twenty nine. Uh, so a way Inoue here, she's currently from Diana. Uh, she's also fifty two years old. She goes all the way back to. All Japan Women's in nineteen ninety. Uh Miyagi is the former Cassandra slash Andres. Uh she previously previously wrestled under those names for Sendai Girls and Stardom. Lately she's been mostly wrestling for Actress Girls and the Joshi promotion. Uh but apparently she's signed with Gleet, as the graphic informs me. So and she's not doing any kind of demon gimmick here, she's just a girl. Michiaki, Michiko Miyagi. I uh, kind of
2: no missed a demon gimmick.
1: I'm sure she's probably got tired of doing it after a while. <laughs> it's like, after so many years of doing it. You know, even Undertaker had to go to the biker. It's like, you know, she probably just got tired of being a demon.
2: Don't compare it to the Undertaker. <laughs> she's not a white uh, supremacist.
1: That's true. <laughs> well, to, that we, as, as far as we know, there are some Asian white supremacists, unfortunately. That's so terrifying. I know. I know. They, they fucking... Andy Isn't in one of those cults? I think he is, actually. yeah. yeah. Yeah, Andy, I was thinking of that Andy fucking guy, Andy Ngo or whatever, who uh, fucking falls around Antifa and is like, look at them. They're doing stuff. That guy's clearly like, and I think he turned out he worked with the Proud Boys or something. I'm like, you know, you're not white, sir. You're not actually yeah. white. Anyway, uh, but there's nothing wrong with this match. There also wasn't much to it. In a way, puts Miyagi away fairly quickly with a powerbomb for the win. I went two and three quarters. Not much to recommend here, but it was all right.
2: That was my rating, too, and I would have liked to see like them. I guess Kyoko's limited, but I like Miyagi. I would have liked to actually see her do something.
1: Yeah, she didn't really get a chance to do much of anything here.
2: It was almost a squash.
1: Yeah. Match number three, the sixth fan tag team match, Strong Hearts, Shima, Is- uh, Issei, Onitsuka, and Shigehiro Iriye, defeated Kazayashi, Keichi Sato, and Soma Watanabe in 1144. So, let's go over the wrestlers here. Keiichi Sato, he is a longtime freelancer. He wrestled a lot for All Japan in 2016 through 19. Uh, lately, he's been showing up most often in uh, Kaliga Pro Wrestling. Which Wasn't is a he bodyguard. a
2: sweeper for like...
1: Two seconds, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Watanabe is an ex-Wrestle One guy who is now Simon Gleet. Pegaso Illuminar. Sa- I'm sorry?
2: He used to be Pegaso Illuminar for you right. Wrestle One fans.
1: Yeah. Uh it's Sato is still a freelancer, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Onitsuka and Shima are both Gleet slash Stronghearts, uh, while Irie is just Stronghearts. So there you go. Apparently he hasn't signed with them. Onitsuka, I don't know where he came from. he he's like been with Shima for a while now. I think, he came up through OWE, I think.
2: Yeah, no, he's one of the OWE guys, but he's yeah. not Chinese,
1: is he? He's not Chinese, yeah. Uh,
2: so I guess he was a Dragon Gate guy that they posted or something when he was still in Dojo.
1: There's a big spot here where the Stronghearts team stacks everybody up, and then all kind of splash down on top of them, eventually on each other, ending with Irie. That was a little too hokey for me, too goofy. Didn't really love that spot. Uh, Things did pick up a lot, though, when the dive started. Uh, The crowd was really most impressed by Irie's crossbody to a seed opponent on the apron, which sent them both all the way out to the floor uh you know that he's a big dude so i get why that's he is a
2: very large man and it's weird to see him do anything (laughs) that was really cool
1: that was really cool but all the other dives are great too though uh there was one awkward spot where shima like turned around a little too soon or something and had to just stand there while watanabe like actually set himself to hit a springboard dropkick uh but for the most part the action after all the dives was really fun and Odinska ends up pinning katayashi with a standing rana uh that was obviously a big upset and they were going crazy about it afterwards uh and kaz even challenged him to a one-on-one match just using his finger he's like you and me one-on-one so i guess that'll be coming up on a future gleet show but yeah this had its rough parts but really picked up a ton by the end i will go three and a half stars on it it was pretty fun by the end of the match
2: i'm not a dragon gate guy but i think i liked it a little more than you i went three and three quarter
1: mm-hmm. and
2: one note is both shima and kaz or wcw guys
1: that's true, yeah, it's so weird it is kind of weird uh but yeah, that's the Gleet that that's that's gleets uh maybe something coming up next, so that could be on uh, the next uh the the next g pro wrestling show which is uh july twenty fifth weirdly they don't have anything left for u w f that's they don't have anything coming up for the u w f part it's kind of interesting, but anyway, I have to get into that i guess uh in, in a second anyway. Uh, back to this show. So the main event of the pro wrestling half was Ryuchi Kawakami defeating T-Hawk in 1726. Um, So Kawakami, of course, he's an ex-Big Japan guy who moved over to Gleet and became a full-time Gleet roster member. Um, He's a very interesting guy on this this roster because, first of all, he's one of the few full-time roster members who doesn't have any uh, on the pro wrestling side who doesn't have any connection to Russell one or Stronghearts. you know he came over from big Japan um and he's someone I want to see you know do well here because I've always really liked him in big Japan I think he, they they never they, they wasted him they never used him to they, do anything
2: he had that like little run with Kakuda where they won the all asian belts and then lost him like a month later on all band show but he was mostly like an undercard tag guy right
1: yeah I mean he never did anything like that I mean he had a few Strong title challenges, I guess, but... I don't know. They never seem to want to use him uh, at, a, at beyond a certain level. It's, it's bizarre for a company that has... You know, it's like, okay, if Kawakami was in New Japan and he was stuck behind a bunch of guys, it's like, okay, he's in fucking big Japan. I'm like, there is no depth at all in the strong division. Maybe give the guy a fucking shot at least, and they never wanted to, really. it was really. Well, b- should, I mean, he was gave, awesome in those all these title matches you just talked about.
2: But. They, they gave... Daichi Hashimoto a chance, and that was like the one guy who debuted after 2010 that was allowed to hold the belt.
1: Yeah, and, it's just, and, and that actually was a pretty fun reign, so I don't know why you wouldn't give some younger guys but I mean, his last reign was pretty fun, not the first one.
2: No, the first but, one sucked.
1: Yeah, the first one sucked, but uh, I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's such a weird company, so there's no point in really trying to figure out the booking, but yeah, it's cool to see him here in Glee, and I hope they run with him, which, you know, he did win here, so maybe they're going to. Uh but yeah, this match was pretty standard stuff for a while, really hard chops and such, until we get a dive that goes kind of horribly wrong. Uh, T-Hog is trying to hit a standard tope to Kawakami on the outside, but he way overshoots his target and barely connects to Kawakami. Really just his arm hit his, into his head as he's flying by. He fractured a bunch of ribs. Oh, did he really? I didn't even hear about that.
2: He fractured two ribs, I think. He
1: crashed in the railing hard, so I'm not surprised. But yeah, it makes the rest of his match even more impressive because this was, I mean, this match ended up being awesome. You know, it was really hard hitting, a lot of cool head drops and such. Featured the right guy winning, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Kawakami hit that fireman's carry into Michinoku Michinoku driver thing he does for the pen. Uh, I think, think think, think, oh, sorry, go
2: ahead. I think it's called the Hurricane Driver.
1: There you go. I think this was my, so was it named after the, the, uh, the Storm The WWE Wrestler The Hockey Team Or The Alcoholic Drink
2: Maybe he really likes <laughs> the Scorpions
1: <laughs> there Or oh, there you go, there's another one It could be any, any of that The
2: Japanese like a lot of bad American hard rock
1: That is true, they definitely do <laughs> uh, But yes, yeah, so this to me Was the first four-star match I've ever seen from Gleat. They beat the piss out of each other Had a pretty awesome match So I went four flat uh, I really enjoyed this
2: I did too, and I actually I wrote them down So I'm not just copying it
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah that's a, that was an awesome match anything else you want to say about this one
2: no I just thought it was great I mean no that um, what was it that tope was horrifying
1: yeah, the tope like was I knew
2: horrifying. he broke his ribs before I saw the match and then I <laughs> saw it and I was like oh yeah
1: of course <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. Uh, so that does it for the pro wrestling half so now all the remaining matches are under Glee UWF rules so let me explain how this works so the original UWF, okay? Or yes, by the like the original UWF, in a singles match, each wrestler would have would start a match with 15 points. They would lose a different number of points, I don't remember exactly how much, for you having to use the ropes to get a rope break, being knocked down. I think the knockdown was the, the most point loss. I think there was like five, whereas like the rope break was only one. Or being at a disadvantage in a hold, which was like the most um What's it called? It's the hardest to quantify. The hardest to quantify, yeah. And I think that one was like five. That was points
2: three, points. I, think. I think. Oh, it was three? Like, well, okay. I think they were one, three, five, but I can't
1: remember. Like, I think that sounds, right. that sounds okay. right. That sounds right. But uh, but they've – so th- that was the hardest to quantify. So I, I never had any – I'm like, oh, he lost three points because, uh, you know, he was in a disadvantage and a hold, I guess. So it does not have – it did not have pinfalls. The UWFI, towards the very end, did have pinfalls, uh, mostly because they were doing a lot of interpromotional stuff at New Japan, And, you know, they wanted to, uh, you know, let these guys get pins, I guess, instead of having to do knockouts or submissions. But for the most part, it's knockout, submission, or if you lose all your points, you lose. Now, the Ledet version, they have simplified this a lot. And Oh, I should mention, too, each wrestler started with 15 points. Tag team started with 21 points. And for the rare six-man tag, they started with 30 points. So... You know, the point values went up depending on how many people were in the match. Ledette simplified this a lot. No matter what type of match it is, singles or tag, both teams or both wrestlers start up with five points. Uh, if they had to take a rope break, they lose a point. If they get knocked down, they lose a point. There's no more uh, submission disadvantage thing. So it's just those two things. Well, I think it's if you get knocked down enough for the ref
2: to start counting. Like, you can just – take
1: right, a right, right. A, a knock out. A knockdown. Yes. So that's what, that's what a knockdown is called. So I should have I should have specified that like you can get – if you just get, like, knocked down or flex or something and get right back up, it's, then it's not a knockdown. But if you, like, can't get up right away from a kick or – If the, if the, you're if you're the suplexed, ref starts the 10 count, basically. If the ref starts the 10 count, yeah. Then you – that counts as a knockdown, and you lose a point. So if you run out of points, you know, if you get knocked down or have to get a rope break five times, you lose the match. So – uh, that is how the UWF rules work in ingleet, uh, in which I don't mind that simplification at all. I think it kind of makes a lot of sense, you know? So uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it's- I you know, like it
2: because you could actually follow what's going on.
1: Yeah, it's a lot easier to follow. And they have the graphics there to remind you what the total is, which I always like. So, you know. So now that we've explained the rules, the first UWF rules match was a tag team match. Uh, Dajiro Matsui- and Tetsuya Izuchi defeating... had
2: a Matsui had a very interesting career.
1: Yeah, we'll get we we'll get that. Sorry aside. about that. <laughs> it's okay. They defeat Minoru Tanaka and Shum Watanabe in 857. So uh, Watanabe we went over. He's pulling double duty here. Uh, Minoru Tanaka should be well known to most of you. Uh, he also signed with Gleet here, so he's a GLEAT wrestler. And you know he's a guy who obviously goes way back to New Japan and battle arts and. You know he's, he had a lot of a lot of experience with the shoot style. In other words, uh, he was very, most recently in Noah, I guess. But here he is in Gleet. I think he signed, right? He signed with yeah, he signed with yeah, Gleet. he signed. He signed with Gleet.
2: He was uh, yeah, he was like junior tag champion last year for like fifteen seconds, or yeah. two years ago.
1: And why do you, you? So you're all raring to go here from that series. He's I'm not years raring old. to go. But <laughs> I just, so I go ahead. Research, tell
2: me, God tell damn it. Tell me about it. Uh, he started off with UWFI. He had like three matches for yeah. Nexus six. Then he went to Kingdom with Sakuraba. So nobody
1: knows what Kingdom is, so let's explain that. Kingdom was the UWFI follow-up after UWFI went out of business from the New Japan feud. And it lasted, like, what? Only, I think, a year and a half or something? It was, like, closer to three, I think. Oh, okay. Well, it didn't didn't last that long. It's how Sakuraba
2: got into UFC because they tried to get press for Kingdom.
1: Yeah, and then then they basically fold it into Pride. So Pride takes over for Kingdom. And... Their logo looks like the Xbox logo. I don't know. I mean, like, every time of, we see it on cage Match, I'm like, why did Xbox want a promotion? But yeah, uh, Matsui also did uh, Battle Arts. He did IGF. Uh, he did but he,
2: very bad MMA. He
1: did very bad MMA. 12, why,
2: 25, he, and 7.
1: There you go. Uh, he hasn't really been active since 2015, so he's basically coming out of retirement for this. He only uh, had
2: 18 matches like a decade before that.
1: Yeah, so not a guy who wrestles a ton, but you know. Izuchi, he's a heat-up guy. The only non gleeched signed wrestler in this match. And Matsui uh, also
2: kind of looks like he's to be Khan's dad. That was my, like, <laughs> one takeaway on that. There
1: you go. So both teams use the ropes to escape a hold early on, so we end up at 4-4 four to four relatively quickly. Uh, Tanaka then escapes another one, I think a triangle, against Izuchi to go down 4-3. to three. Uh, Watanabe has to escape a cross-arm breaker from Matsui with the ropes. That puts their team down 4-2. to two. Uh, but then he manages to knock Matsui down almost right after with a nice spinning back kick that just hits him right in the gut that he just like collapses on. I mean I like that a lot because it's like it shows a knockdown doesn't have to be a head kick, you know. Uh and that made it three to two at that point. But then Matsui soon after uh taps out Watanabe almost immediately with a Kimura to give his team a win. And I thought this match was a great start for DWF rules in, in uh in, in Gleet. I mean this is exactly what I was hoping for out of this style. Fast mat work. Fast striking, no laying around on the mat for hours in in the fucking guard like you see in shoot-style matches sometimes. I went three and three quarters on this. Really enjoyed it.
2: I went three and a half. I I do really like it, though.
1: Anything else you want to note from the match?
2: No, not really. It was fun. But it was short, right? It was like nine minutes.
1: Yeah, it's hard to talk about, about, yeah. As a lot of UWF rules, matches will often be, so... Uh, Match number six, also, well, I I guess I can stop saying every match we're now is UWF rules. This this was the UWF rules Joshi match that I thought was interesting. So, Chihiro Hashimoto defeated Maya Fukuda in 450. Now, Hashimoto she's the Sendai Girls ace. She's been their world champion since October 2019. In her fifth reign with the belt, uh, very few title defenses though, because Sendai Girls does not really run much at all during the right. pandemic. Doesn't
2: Hashimoto have like every other reign?
1: I think so. <laughs> I mean,
2: <laughs> there have been nine know, reigns, and she has five.
1: I mean, she's a, she is a you know this little tank. Uh, I, should, I mean, I say little. She's a short tank. She's very similar body to uh, what's her name, and Jordan Grace, and uh, or Jordan yeah. Grace and, and Impact. They had actually yeah. had a great
2: match together like three years ago on Sunday. Yeah,
1: so like you know, short little tank, big muscular body, and like you know, she has an amateur wrestling background, and she can just toss people around. I mean, she makes total sense for a, a the ace of a Joshi company. I mean, she looks like an ace, honestly. She is
2: in, she's in she's an indie tag team with you from formerly from TJPW. Team yeah. Weston. 200 kilograms
1: yeah i think that's right
2: yes they're deadlifting. So
1: yeah. yeah uh maya on the other hand she's only 20 years old she's from something called Actring. now it was really really difficult to find anything about Actring. there's nothing in english at all i did find some japanese sources which i had to uh try to read which you know was always difficult for me uh from as far as i can tell i did i did get a little bit of help from a uh Flupke, who who's Luke who's been on this show before and, I, and basically I went to him and I was like am I reading this right and he was like yes so uh actoring is a spinoff of Actress Girls. It's a like they I think they they base it, what they call it basically translates to their performance art uh is that spin-off? where Arissa Hoshiki is doing matches now. I think maybe okay. I don't know maybe I actually don't know. Maybe you're right. But yeah they, they describe it as um you know, stage performance, that's how. That's what it's described as. So, you know, there's matches, but the matches sometimes have, like, monologues in the middle of them. Um, so it's WWE. <laughs> it's Roman Reigns. There you go. I mean, I think it's probably actually closer to, like, Makai, you know, which uh, Hikaru Shida does, obviously, when she's in Japan. But, yeah, the roster's made up a, a mix of, uh, you know, actress-girls regulars and different gimmicks, actress-girls regulars appearing as themselves, and then these rookies who haven't appeared in the main promotion yet, but they're clearly being trained in the same dojo, and that's almost verbatim what Luke said. So I will give him credit for that. Uh, but yes, this is a very different kind of, you know, style and presentation. Uh, but you know, and Fukuda is one of these uh, rookies that hasn't actually debuted in Actress Girls yet. Has only been in Actoring. But uh, there you go. It's like a, it's a stage performance spinoff of Actress Girls. So Fukuda just
2: uh, looks like someone Rocio Gao would want to sign.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
2: She looks like blonde I mean, yeah. My
1: yeah. immediate
2: reaction was like, Rossi's going to just fucking see this show and pull up.
1: <laughs> he's going to be pulling up, that is for sure. Uh, but yeah, so Chihiro has a huge side advantage on the skinny Fukuda to the point where the match almost looks absurd. She gets a <laughs> half-crab on her pretty much immediately, which causes her to have to use a rope break. She then gets an angle lock right after that, causing her to use another rope. That was it's a already- vicious
2: Boston crab, though. I wrote U style Boston
1: crab. <laughs> <laughs> U style Boston crab. Uh, if people don't know, U style is what people refer to UWF to style promotion as. Yes. I think their age promotion called U style, too. Yeah, that uh, might be. And then she I do a- still around. I don't think it is. And then Chihiro just throws her around with a big gut wrench suplex. But Maya then fights back. She gets some strikes, but Chihiro completely no-sells all of them. Like, just does not sell a single thing. But finally, a high kick does stun Chihiro and knock her back. But then Chihiro immediately grabs her and slams her down hard. Uh, That leads to a knockout tease. Maya recovers, but then Chihiro immediately applies the ankle lock again and gets her to tap out. So it was basically a squash, but it was a fun squash. So I went three stars on it. Uh Chihiro was great at dominating the match, unsurprisingly. And I thought Maya was pretty good Iron Dog as well.
2: So. I, I went three two. I also it was almost like a prison beatdown or something. It was <laughs> Did you notice like after the two consecutive submissions, they just cut to Tamara? Kyosi Tamara's like the Kaz Hayasi, but for the U style, and he was just disappointed in
1: her. Yeah. So Tamara was well, he comes from rings, right?
2: He's the rings guy. He yeah, came from UWF. and But he's the guy who's in charge of the U um, style.
1: Yeah. Like that. So he's he's a, I think, because I've seen a lot of him in rings. I don't remember seeing a lot of him in UWF, but maybe I'm. Well, like he started
2: ring. rings. I don't remember where he came from.
1: Okay. Uh, but didn't he? Well, no, no, no. started rings.
2: Oh, no, no. Then what am I thinking of?
1: Yeah. Maeda started rings. Maeda, but okay.
2: Tomorrow was like the ace of rings. I think. Tomorrow was like the ace of rings. Yeah, yeah. I just got to. More uh, or confused.
1: Yeah. Okay, so he did wrestle in UWF. Easter. Yeah, he was in UWFI. I don't know what I'm thinking of. Yeah, he was in UWFI from 91 to 96. He's the guy uh, in the red tracksuit that they yeah. kept
2: cutting to, just stern in the crowd.
1: Yeah, he got really upset with... uh So it looks like he got upset when when Vader was in I basically, and that's kind of how he ended up jumping to rings. So. But yeah, he just kind of became the. Oh, he what? Oh, well, remember that U Style thing I mentioned? I thought that was promotion. He founded yeah. that. So okay. he's, he was the founder of U Style. There you go. Yeah,
2: he's like the booker for the U Glee Day. U Glee.
1: Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, WF, dad, yeah. It obviously makes sense for that role. So uh, then we have. Oh, oh, I should mention, too. The other thing I wanted to mention is uh, Chihiro was awesome here, and I, I really want to see more of her. In UWF style matches, that was really fun.
2: I just like Team Zero. Whenever she pops up, she's so, so much fun.
1: Yeah, semi made event: Masukatsu Funaki defeats Yu Izuka in 7:58. Uh, Funaki really needs no introduction. I think he's a freelance guy, um, but he obviously was one of the founders of Pancrase. Uh, you know, just been been doing all this stuff forever. Just great at it. A dojo uh, made
2: of Minoru Suzuki.
1: Yeah. Izuka comes from Heat Up, where he's been wrestling since 2016, uh, but he's now signed with Gleet, so he's jumped over there. Uh, This is a little slower paced than the earlier UWF Rules matches, a lot more laying around, especially early. Uh, Izuka ends up having to get the first rope break from a Fujiwa armbar attempt from Funaki early on. Uh, Funaki gets a knockdown on a high kick. It looks like it hit Izuka's arm more than anything, but I guess the idea was the kick was so forceful, it still knocked him down. Funaki then tried to follow up with a quick barrage of strikes, but Izika uses the opening to get a nice armbar takedown that results in Funaki having to get the ropes. Yeah, the whole, was...
2: old Nakamura style floating armbar, like when you yeah. just cast the lariat.
1: That was really cool, yeah. and that made it four to three at that point. Uh, we get things really pick up from there. Some fun striking. Uh, Izika though gets dropped by a kabo kick from Funaki, which makes it four to two now. Uh, Funaki quickly applies a sleeper hole from behind, and Izuka has no choice but to tap, so that is the end. Uh, a little dull early, but had a hot finishing sequence at least, so I decided to go three and a quarter.
2: I went three and a half. I liked it a little more.
1: Uh, what'd you like about it? I just liked...
2: I wasn't... I just liked how fast it got towards the end. I just there's something about it where it felt organic, and I was amused also mm-hmm. at the end with Izuka being dead on the map. i like, <laughs> just scrape him up.
1: Yeah, but that okay. didn't affect
2: the rating. I just kind of liked...
1: Yeah, uh, Funaki dominated for the most part, which certainly makes sense. But Izuka got to show a little fire and some pushback too, at least. Uh, definitely more than my Fukuda got to show in the last match, that's for sure. Uh, the main event, and I think the reason why a lot of people may have t- paid attention to this, show defeated Takanoi Ito by referee decision in sixteen seventeen. So this match, obvious show, as in yes, yeah, the New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, show, the ha- one half of Punky 3K. Uh, you know, it just the first... I'm trying to remember the last time a New Japan wrestler, like contracted wrestler, not even like a freelancer like Suzuki, appeared on a freelance show. It has to be like, I would imagine it would be when they were still working with, the, with, with Taka? Would
2: with the Baba Mon- Memorial stuff
1: count? Oh, you're right. That would count. That was pretty recent.
2: Yeah, that was here.
1: Uh, if you want to count like an actual promotion, then it would probably be like Kai when Kai and Tai Dojo when Taka was still there.
2: And Kojima did the All Japan maps in 2017. I remember that. Yeah. I, I think where he killed Chiwama.
1: Yeah. Someone someone must have worked Kai and tai Dojo in 2018, though. That'd yeah. probably be the last one. But it's been a little while. So, you know, the uh Joe Lanza went into all that stuff on the Voice Wrestling flagship Patreon. I'm not gonna steal his uh you know, steal his scoop. So you can check that Patreon out if you wanna. Uh, hear about the circumstances behind this. But basically it comes down to Dick Togo. So there you go. Uh, Ito is of course the Wrestle One guy. He kind of had a Kevin Owens lookalike thing going on for a long time. Uh, he is of course also Simon Gleet. And you know I think he's doing both pro wrestling and UWF stuff. So, you know, he was pretty good at both of them, I think. Ito and show, they spend a lot of time fighting over a leg lock of a mat at first. Not terribly interesting, honestly, but then the way they transition from that to the guard was kind of neat. And they do stand up pretty quickly after that. Uh, the first rope break cones when Sho gets a cross arm breaker on Ito, which forces Ito to quickly make the ropes. That makes a 5-4 Sho. Uh, a Kimura from Sho again sees Ito need to use a rope break, which makes it 5-3. Uh, but Ito then catches Sho with this sick counter knee to the face uh, as he's in the middle of trying for a takedown. Basically the same shoot knee that like killed Nakamura. In that, you know, in the shoot fight. Uh, so I feel like that's been a spot in these pro, in these shoot-style wrestling matches forever because that's cause of that, uh famous moment. But yeah, that leads to a huge leaping spine buster from Ito. And for oh, people,
2: sorry. I think the more the... And they also do it in the Sakuraba maps in Wrestle
1: Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. There's
2: yeah, yeah.
1: a reference to that, yeah.
2: It's a I feel like more people probably saw than like in the shoot-style matches. <laughs>
1: that's probably true. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh yeah, so if people have seen that, that that's the same knee. Uh but yeah, that's what that was a tribute to, was tribute to the shoe fire. Uh Sho makes the ropes on the half crab, so it's now four to three. Great sequence there. We get our first knockdown tease. Ito hits a big German suplex right after slamming his way out of the armbar. Uh Sho does get back up, but the points are now three to three. Ito starts just laying into Sho with slaps to the face, leading into a really energetic sequence. And the striking on display here is really great. Uh, ito just starts screaming right in show's face for good measure show the that finally goes behind ito to put a stop to that and then he takes him down to the mat from there but ito is able to stand back up before show can really get any kind of hold on uh so they're back to slapping each other and then ito hits a hard high kick that just drops show for another knockdown that makes it three two ito now that got an
2: eight count actually
1: yeah it was pretty close uh, the moment Sho gets back up, Ito charges with a leaping knee and keeps up with the striking. But Sho finally catches his leg, hits his own slaps, a Larry to the face, and then a German suplex. Then he like kind of rolls back like he's going to do the rolling German, but then instead does a takedown straight into an armbar that looks really cool. Ito tries to slam his way out again by lifting Sho, but this time he can't do it. And the referee stops the match. So this was an awesome main event. I went four stars flat on this as well. Both guys just beat the piss out of each other here in between some really nice mat work. So there you go.
2: I went four and a quarter. I do really appreciate that Ito actually had the point advantage going in. Yeah. Because all the other the other three per, prior, I don't know about, on the show at least, I don't know about the other UWF Ledet matches, or UWF Gleet matches, sorry, if, if that ever happens. I do like the idea, oh, because I didn't think Show was going to get tapped. I thought he might lose on points, you know what I mean? Yeah. I could see maybe New Japan allowing that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I legitimately felt for, oh, he might win. He might lose. Yeah. He might win.
1: But instead, show did win by referee stoppage. Uh, Overall, I thought this was a very fun show. And I definitely think I'll keep up with Gleet from here. It's like, it feels like an antidote to so much of wrestling right now. Even a lot of Japanese wrestling in in this form. Because it's like, there's no bullshit at all. There's really not even any storylines. It's just straight ahead wrestling bunch of matches, bunch of good matches, and like, you know, the, the, the UWF style is completely different from what other people are doing right now, and even the pro wrestling matches, just, like, the, the atmosphere and the presentation just feels very different, and, you know, I think it's a great start, and, you know, it's definitely something I'm going to keep up with, so.
2: I think uh, even the UWF matches from match to match were different enough, because you had, like, the tag match, you had that women's match that was barely a match, you had, you had the rookie match against the so I think it was just it was like eight different matches. It didn't feel like you were just watching the same four undercard matches.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, like,
2: where it's just the same four, three, I mean six, eight, and ten man tech.
1: Exactly. So the upcoming UWF or not UWF, the upcoming uh Glee shows, they're both G Pro Wrestling. So we have G Pro Wrestling version one, uh, that is on July twenty fifth on Sunday, which is from Osaka in the Azuria Taisho Hall. Is the smaller building on Osaka for sure. Uh, and then the second show is Wednesday, October 4th for G pro wrestling v- version two from Shinjuku face. Again, a smaller venue, although I find it interesting. They're booking the uh, much nicer and much more expensive Shinjuku face than Shinjiba. Uh, that is, Taiso
2: Hall is also very nice looking too.
1: Yeah. So that's Wednesday, August 4th. So that's G pro wrestling version two. And there's no cards yet for either show. So, uh, We will have to see, uh, you know, what those, what those shows look like, but they're, you know, so not, no UWF style matches in those two, it seems like it seems like these are going to be just the pro wrestling style matches and want to wait and see, uh, you know, what, what else is coming up as far as like, you know, any other kind of matches, any other UWF matches. But I mean, I honestly came away from this card more excited about the UWF stuff than anything. So I kind of wish there was some UWF style shows coming up, but, uh, you know, it seems like they're doing the pro wrestling first. So what the wait and say,
2: you know, did, you UW... did
1: you come away thinking you want to watch more Gleet?
2: At least the UWF Gleet, but yeah, yeah no, I, I enjoyed the pro wrestling, but I don't think, I, I think the smaller shows I'm not going to follow as much, but like something like this, where it was like fun four and four that I'm definitely going to watch.
1: There you go. All right. So we can wrap this episode up. Anything you want to plug Devin?
2: I don't know. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at more than meat joy.
1: Okay. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Omakase. Wrestling, Wrestling wouldn't, wouldn't fit. fit. No, it wouldn't fit. You're the first person that ever tried to steal that line from me. I'm know.
2: disappointed the Patreon isn't Omakase.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it should be, probably. Uh, but, yes, so you can, like I said, follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can sign up for the Patreon at patreon.com slash uh, it's like I said, a lot of fun, a lot of cool stuff coming up, including next week's episode where I will be joined, uh, by a guest that I haven't set up yet, but to review the new Japan, uh, summer struggle in Sapporo shows, which is my first new Japan watching and reviewing in a while. So, you know, be fun to try to jump back in and see what they've been up to. Uh,
2: you'll get a big tight humane event.
1: That is true. I'm very excited for the, uh, dangerous tackers against night. Don't that could be awesome. um, also coming up on the Patreon, like I mentioned earlier, our Tokyo Dome made event one-match series. Uh, definitely at least one episode this coming week with covering the Cajun Moonover Stakata match from 1995. Uh, there you go. So that'll be coming up this week on the Patreon. Again, it's only $5. It is at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Our next time on the free feed will be in two weeks. Uh, I think it'll be the Tokyo Dome Retro Roulette Part 2. I haven't quite confirmed that yet, but I think that's what we'll be doing. So, you know, that'll be another fun one. If you missed part one, which I think was Patreon only, uh, we're basically just going to pick six random Tokyo Domes and six random matches other than the main events, because, again, we're doing the main events uh, in order on the Patreon. So you can get all kinds of wacky stuff here, obviously, when you do a Tokyo Dome retro roulette. So that's coming up in two weeks uh, on the free feed. In the meantime, thank you as always for listening, and I will see you next time.